Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. My guest today is Washington Post reporter Mustafa Salim. For the past several weeks, he has had a front-row view to massive protests that have erupted in Baghdad and other cities in Iraq. As Mustafa Salim explains, these protests are neither centrally organized, nor do they have an explicit set of demands. Yet, they may prove to be powerful enough to bring down the Iraqi government, including Prime Minister Adil Abdul Mahdi. The protests began in early October, mostly by young men from poor Shiite cities and towns angered by corruption and their own economic distress. But, as Mustafa Salim explains, the protests have since expanded to include women and men from all walks of life. In our conversation, Mustafa Salim describes the scene on the ground in Baghdad where I reached him a few days ago. We discuss how these protests originated, where they may be heading, why Iran is a target of the protesters, and how the humble drivers of three-wheeled taxis that cater to the urban poor, known as tuk-tuks, became the symbolic heroes of this protest movement. Now, I should say the audio quality of this episode is not typical to this show, and that's because the Iraqi authorities have more or less shut down the internet in an effort to disrupt the protests. Still, I thought it'd be very valuable to bring you this perspective on the ground in Baghdad. As always, please let me know what you think of this episode, or if you have suggestions of people I should interview or topics you'd like me to cover, you can do so using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by the Masters in Peace and Justice program at the Joan B. Kroc School of Peace Studies at the University of San Diego. This program is designed for individuals seeking knowledge, skills, and practical experience to address a wide range of peace and social justice issues and includes hands-on field-based opportunities in Rwanda, Colombia, and Mexico. The program prepares students for careers in conflict resolution, human rights, social entrepreneurship, education, development, and advocacy. No GRE is required to apply, and part-time options are available. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace to learn more. And this program is brought to you by Northwestern University's online master's program in global health. You can learn how to make a meaningful difference in places where it is needed most. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the ad to learn more, or go to sps.northwestern.edu slash global. And now here is my conversation with Washington Post reporter Mustafa Salim. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. 
Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Basically, people right now are uh, centralized in the main square. The square is in the center of Baghdad, and there is a bridge from the square that leading, uh, called Kluvia leads to the preferred green zone where the most of politicians and embassies are. Uh, that area has became like the sample of their anger because all those politicians that people are mad at are behind that bridge. So uh, thousands of people right now are based on that square. Basically, peaceful protests, actually, and they are doing lots of activities. They are doing painting, they are doing singing and dancing. Uh, free food is incredible. Everywhere, <laughs> it's everywhere. But at the edge of the bridge, uh, protesters tried to cross many times, and they were faced by tear gas. And the tear gas has killed lots of people because the way that they were sh- they were shooting it, it, w- it was coming straight to the head, uh, which caused so far, uh, like since of the uh, 25th of October until now, more than 100 people died because of uh, the, uh, the 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 casualty that happened on that uh, protest. And now, so, uh, I should say, so, square, so, so at the square, you're describing like a festive atmosphere, um, but it is yes, at the edge of these protests where people itself, are trying to cross into the green zone, which is the diplomatic quarters, the longtime the head of they, the U.S. base. At the, yeah. at, the they tried. at the beginning, they tried, but uh, now when they realized that also there were lots of calls not to cross into the green zone because it's not going to do any good now, and because of the tear gas, they have built a berm. They have used like uh, lots of metals or like uh, trash cans, but they they have built a burn and then also built a metal net in order to ban the tear gas reaching up to them. So basically, there is a burn between on the half of the bridge between them and the Iraqi riot police, and behind the burn are the protesters on this side, and the other side is like the area that is the green zone and the riot police. Protesters now like uh, treating the area that they are controlling behind the berm as their own state. They are doing cleaning campaign. They have cleaned this all, even though there are thousands of people over there every day, uh, eating, drinking, and with the plastic uh, place, but everything is clean at the moment. There's a tunnel called the Tahrir Tunnel. It actually used to be abandoned. Now it's filled with gravities and uh, art. Music festivals are going, uh, book, books, books club, book clubs, uh, uh, free, free library, and volunteers are going uh, every, uh, from, every, from every place to do all they can. Like barbers are doing haircuts for free, uh, restaurants are giving food for free, tea for free, uh, and the volunteers also are giving those people who are like uh, holding the berm in order to ban the right police crossing to the square. They are giving them gas masks and helmets and also safety equipment. Plus, there are lots of medical uh, volunteers who are deployed in all of us, all of the square in order to help the injuries. It's interesting. The scene you're describing reminds me a lot of the protests in Khartoum a year ago. Uh, of this kind of festive, hopeful atmosphere, people that are you know occupying a key piece of of real estate, trying to press their demands. Um, the good, I, yeah. uh, Mark, the good thing also about this protest, I mean, Iraq has been always uh, uh, their people have just classified like rich category, poor category, middle class category. 
But like what we're seeing, what I'm seeing in that, like, this is like from my principal point of view. What I'm seeing in uh, that square, that everybody's are equal. Uh, like even the, the, the thing of tuk-tuk, uh, those three motorcycles. Mm-hmm. These uh, three motorcycles that has been came to has came to Iraq like two years ago, only because it was driving through the unpaved narrow alleys of the city, which which considered the poorest uh, neighborhood in Iraq. And by the way, the majority of the protesters are from that place. Uh, those tuk-tuk drivers has always has been seen as like poor people, uh, not like poor, uh, has been seen like neglected people. People like uh, avoid even talking to them. People feel embarrassed to ride a tuk-tuk before because it's classified as like low class. Uh, the tuk-tuk driver right now was were the only people who were managed to reach to the front lines to raise casualties to safety. Like in the middle of the snipers on, on the wave of 1st of October and the tear gas now. And they have gained much, much of respect. In general, now there are no categories among mm-hmm. those protests. They, are, yeah. like, they feel they're all as one person cooperating together. It doesn't uh, matter where, where, whether uh, you are from the uh, most classy neighborhood of Baghdad or you're from the poorest neighborhood in Baghdad. I really so, liked, like, I uh, should say, I, I really liked your article on the tuk-tuk drivers as yeah. having like a lot of explanatory power about the relevance and resonance of, of these protests. And yeah. one image, I guess you must have taken it on your Twitter feed, is of the top UN official arriving to the protests uh, yeah. in, in one of those tuk-tuks, uh, which is you know, pretty kind of remarkable to me. Even the uh, Cardinal Luis Sacco, who is the main cardinal of the Chaldeans Christians of the world, who came to, to the Tahrir Square, also wrote the book. Yeah. So, so it just kind of, I, I think it's, it, there's like a lot of explanatory power, I think, in the fact that the symbolic resonance of the poor tuk-tuk drivers being the heroes of this, um, of, of this phase of the protests is, is really interesting to me. Uh, everything. Like, as I said, it doesn't matter. It used to be before, it used to be before, it doesn't matter. Before, it used to be, it doesn't matter whether you are from, like, for example, Mansour or Jadria, which are the most uh, richest, classiest neighbors of Baghdad, or you are from Southern City or Shela, which are the, considered the poorest uh, uh, neighborhoods of Baghdad. Like, if you are from Mansour, it's impossible for you to have friends from that poor uh, city because Iraqi city has been always being classified like this. But this time here, no, it has been changed. They are eating together. They are uh, uh, like holding the burn together. They are throwing away the tear gas together. Uh, when they sleep, also like oh, on the floor together, like to like because it's a sit-in. Uh, they are the same tuk-tuk together. They are like passing their lives all together. They are cleaning the street together. They are drawing on the walls together. And. And, and and it's not just sort of class egalitarianism, but it's across uh, sectarian lines as well. Is that right? Sectarianism as well. That's true. Uh, also, like since 2006, when the sectarian took, took, sectarian took place, like your sect became your identity. Like uh, even like it's, uh, the neighborhoods, neighbors, neighbors has been divided, neighborhoods, areas, uh, but uh, each one has their own flag or their own uh, traditions. Uh, and here. Uh, it's mostly the it's mostly Shia people who are protesting against the main Shia government. It's mostly the Shia people who are protesting and shunned against Iran, which considered like also a Shia state. And uh, it doesn't matter like whether you're Shia or Sunni, they're all together. As, as I said, like when I say like Mansour Jadria, like the, uh, 
Felicity, it also means like Sunni and Shia because the majority of Mansur are Sunni and majority of other cities, all of them are Shia and they're all together. And the only flag mostly being raised is only the Iraqi flag. Uh, all other flags have been uh, raised down. It's only the Iraqi flag, flag that is over the UQC in Tahrir Square. So can I ask, how do you explain and how did these protests start? Uh, on the 1st of October, like a month ago, it, it has been lots of mobilizing by social media is to go on the 1st of October and there was a hashtag called I'm going to take my right. It was for anti-corruption, uh, protesting against the uh, lack of services like water, electricity, and also lack of job vacancies. Lots of, lots of even though Iraq is a rich country, uh, oil country, but uh, the majority of uh, its youth at the moment, they are, they are without jobs. So that's how it, it was triggered. Uh, but uh, from day one, from 1st October, it was faced with major uh, major violence. It was faced with uh, live ammunition, uh, live shooting, and also snipers were deployed on the top high buildings, and they were shooting people. In less than a week, more than 165 people died. Uh, then it was stopped due to the uh, uh, Arpaim Bloom Bridge, which is a Shia thing that they marched to Karbala for the 40th day of uh, the death of, uh, they call Imam Hussein in Karbala, which is a Shia religious festival. And this thing, like millions of people would go there also from our, uh, also the country. Uh, so they uh, they posed the protest for the Arba'in. Then first Friday after the Arba'in, which was the 25th, they started again. Uh, but the number has increased uh, in a big way. Like uh, on the 1st of October, I mean, we can say they were in Baghdad, they they wouldn't exceed 5,000 people or like 3,000 people. But with the when when it started in Tahrir Square, at the beginning it wasn't faced with live bullets. They they faced them only with tear gas. But the, the way they were shooting the tear gas was also a lethal way. It mm-hmm. has killed many people because it was coming through right through the head. Uh, with the loss of people who lost uh, loved ones came and participated as a, as a way to take their rights or their revenge. And then, it, uh, with the what happened in Beirut, it also inspired them. What happened in Beirut with the, like, they made like a party with the songs and DJs and people dancing also inspired the people of Iraq. And they, they almost did, did, did the same. Like, and the first protest of uh, October, it was only men. But now, lots of women are participating as well. Many, many of them. And they 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 played lots lots of songs all over the streets, that Bidon Square and the square itself. Like when you walk, it's just like a festival. Mm-hmm. Families are coming and uh, they are celebrating, dancing, drinking. So, I mean, one time I was walking, it felt just like I was walking. I, I don't know if you did it or not. It felt like I was walking in the Tahsin Street in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. The same atmosphere. So, I mean, you described like an initial response by the government as extremely violent. Uh, it seems that the mm-hmm. sort of violence has subsided a bit, although as you described, these tear gas canisters are being, um, you know, launched indiscriminately and, and killing people upon in- injury when they hit people's heads. Um, mm-hmm. But how, what else has been the response of the government of, of, of Almaty? He offered to resign, didn't he? He didn't offer to resign directly. He said that he's willing to resign as long as there is an alternative. 
as long as the country wouldn't stay uh, in a casual gap. The thing is, uh, the system here is complicated. So when it happened, Sadr, Sadr, who is also a major key player in the Iraqi politics, he got you're, most of the seats in the parliament. You're talking about the, the Shia, him, the Shia also, leader, uh, the Shia cleric Muqtad al-Sadr. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, he should say been telling him that you need to go to the parliament, resign, and announce an early election. Uh, Prime Minister's response was that uh, according to the Constitution, the Prime Minister should be asked the President to sack the Parliament first, oppose the Parliament, sorry, and then announce early elections. The President should tell the Parliament to vote on opposing itself, and then within 60, uh, 60 days uh, having a new election. Uh, the Prime Minister said that it will bring chaos to the country because the reason people are wanting also is to change the elections law itself, which which requires a constitutional uh, changes, constitutional amendments, which requires a, a parliament at, at the beginning. And uh, he said, then he said, if all of this to, only to change the government, he suggested an easier easy way. He suggested that Sadr, uh, the clerk, and also the major uh, Shia key player of Fatah coalition. That was that uh, the umbrella of the PMU, the Shia militias, had in Amri, uh, because they are the major people who got the seats, and they are the, the, the two people who put Abdul Al Mahdi into this uh, the prime minister post. He suggested that just like in the same way that you and Amri put me on as the prime minister, choose another one, and then I will resign. But uh, the thing is, Abdul Amri and uh, the others. Also, also for that they can't find anyone to fill uh, his place. Actually, no one agreeing right now to be a prime minister. Only a crazy person would want to fill <laughs> yeah. that shoe with these circumstances. Only a crazy person would want to be prime minister right now of of, of Iraq in this situation. Well, so so I mean, it, it, I mean, is it your? Um, do you suspect that if indeed the parliament is dissolved and there are new elections? that the demands of the protesters would be fully satisfied at that point, that they would disperse? Um, if the protesters right now, they, they need a law that can give them the chance uh, directly, elect, directly electing or voting the prime minister. The current, the current law is that people vote for a party. And if this party gets the majority, which is the House plus one, they nominate a prime minister, even even if he never ran the election. And with the uh, current situation and the fabric of Iraq, like Sunni, Shia, and Kurds, no one can get to the exact majority at all. So what, what they're doing is like a block, have a, after the coalition, a block, have a coalition with the other block. When they get like, uh, they get the half seats plus one, they both agree on nom- nominating the Prime Minister, uh, uh, Prime Minister, and it also involved lots of sectarianism and corruption, bribes, which is, doesn't satisfy the people. They want uh, to change this law, and also we have something called the Muhasafa, which is like the sectarian quota system, which always says that the Prime Minister should be a Shia, the President should be Kurdish, the Speaker of the Parliament should be uh, should be Sunni. It has been in this case since '03. Regardless their uh, qualifications, mm-hmm. people also want wants to change this. But changing this is really really difficult. 
what, what, really what, well, then, like, what do you foresee or suspect could be a peaceful resolution to the kind of standoff that we're seeing right now? What could inspire the protesters to, like, declare victory and disperse? The, if, the, uh, if the, uh, the whole officials, like president, speaker, uh, prime minister, MPs would, like, resign and apologize and then announce emergency government and early elections. But that's also, like, in my opinion, in my, so, yeah, because the thing is, most of those protesters are, like, teenagers or, like, they don't exceed 23 or 24. It's the new generation that uh, are protesting, not the old generation. And they are, they are still just protesting, and they are okay. They are doing the cleaning and the drawing. They even, I mean, there was an abandoned building. Uh, you, we used to call the Turkish restaurant because it used to be a Turkish restaurant, and then it was bombed uh, and the Iraqi war, and stayed like like just a structure from that time until now. And in each protest, the riot police use it because it's it's very high and it oversees the whole square and the area around it. So they were using it in order to uh, control the whole the whole Tahrir uh, Square and any of the protests from the beginning. And this protest, uh, they managed to, they went, hundreds of people went on that building in order to ban the riot police to go there first, and that's why the protest has been going for the for, for the past 13, 14 days. Uh, they, for, since 2003, this building has been abandoned, just a structure. They uh, managed to get electricity. They managed to get it for its water and the uh, bathrooms. They they managed from they managed from scratch and now it's functioning. Hmm. In 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 a term that in a week they are doing all this stuff, but yet they don't. They, there is no solid demand. Hmm. I mean, the, these are spontaneous protests. That's why there are groups, separate groups. And like when when you ask anyone, like, what do you want? He would just, he would just say I want to follow the regime, but the thing is that's not possible because this regime has been that came through elections and constitutions. You can't just like uh, follow it in this way. They should have a solid demand and a road uh, and uh, like a clear roadmap that's doable. Mm. Then they will achieve something. But in my opinion, if they stayed in in this case, I think you know, for a while these protests will die out and then they will. Get, get tired and go home. Finally, you know, there's been some commentary here, you know, in 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 the media in the West that you know a lot of these protests are actually sort of anti-Iran protests. That much of the the argument is, is that yeah. So so you agree that that basically the the many of the protesters are concerned and upset of Iran's influence in Iraqi politics. It it is because uh, especially for the south. Uh, for the South, the most people who are controlling are the uh, Shia militias who are pro-Iran, supported by Iran. They controlled all the life details of, of like Maysan, Basra, uh, Diwania, all the southern Shia majority uh, provinces, and which are like province, rich provinces with oil, but there are no services because these people are even uh, the parking lot of the city, they are controlling it and taking money from the people. People got sick of that. I actually, for, since last year, when they have burned the Iranian castles in Basra, yeah. uh, actually, it was more than a year ago, they have burned the Iranian castles in Basra because they see Iran as the source of the whole uh, current government 
corruption government that they are having right now. Uh, and, and finally, are there any events uh, that you'll be looking out for in the near future that might suggest to you how this situation will evolve? I mean, for one, I mean, how likely is it that, for example, the government right respond with overwhelming violence against the protesters? Uh, it started right now because at the beginning they were based only in Tahrir Square, but then they started to uh, extend, expand further to other bridges. Like uh, two days ago, they tried to cross a bridge. We uh, we called uh, actually no last week they tried to uh, to cross a bridge we call a Seneca Bridge. That bridge also leads to the Green Zone and to the Iranian Embassy in Baghdad. The there was also major violence with only tear gas, and like they pushed them away. And uh, yesterday they tried. They, they before yesterday they tried to cross Al Ahrar Bridge, and Al which also leads them great to the green zone and to the current uh, prime minister office. They were faced with major violence. But today, they went to a, a, a bridge called Al Shuhada Bridge. The, the thing is, people are trying to create a civil disobedience. Uh, before they shut, down, they shut down the internet, people were calling for all the employees, students, uh, universities, not to, not to go to work, not to go to the to the university, to create to create a civil disobedience and close the roads so that we can pressure the government more. That's what what they were saying, and it happened. Lots of universities are not uh, going to classes anymore. Lots of teachers also are not uh, teaching. Uh, lots of employees are not going. The trees are being cut off uh, during the morning. So they are trying to control these bridges as well in order to uh, increase this uh, civil disobedience. But all these bridges are leading to a vital uh, uh, facilities like the embassies are. Today, they went to a Shahada bridge, which, which leads to the main Iraqi central bank. And they were faced with live shooting, but like they were shooting in the, at the air. Not directly to the people. They were shooting. They were shooting in the air. Uh, I think if if the protesters continued on pro- provoking those security forces, I mean, they were the, the same forces who were like uh, shooting and sniping before. They uh, and they they can do it again. They can't just turn his square and uh, start shooting people in order to to push them away. Well, uh, you know, you're you're describing a, a very fluid, but also a very volatile situation. Uh, thank you, thank you so much f- for your time, Mustafa, and thank you so much for your reporting. You're welcome. Thank you very much. All right, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Mustafa. That was a very valuable conversation. Uh, you know, listening back to this conversation, he really does like put you on the ground with him. Uh, as we speak via Baghdad. I know the the connection on the line was not great, but I think just having that sort of visceral connection to uh, events on the ground as Mustafa has is is very valuable to to impart to listeners. So thank you for bearing with the audio quality. And uh, I I trust you gained something really valuable from this conversation. I, I know I did. All right, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.